This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Warm yourself by the fire, indeed. Winter is coming, as they say on Game of Thrones. Uh, I was just reading about a, um, another survivor of the Las Vegas massacre back in October, October the 1st, who has uh, died. Um, he was killed in a hit-and-run back uh, in Nevada. A 52-year-old Roy McClellan died back on November the 17th, although this is just being reported now, while he was walking on the roadway in Pahrumpf, which is about 60 miles west of Las Vegas. He was hit by a Chevrolet Camaro, that apparently fled the scene, and this is according to the Nevada Highway Patrol. Uh, Again, McClellan and his wife, they made it out safely when a gunman opened fire at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival back again on October the 1st, and uh, that killed 58 people. Uh, Now, this is sort of a growing list of survivors who have died suddenly. Back in October, another Vegas shooting survivor, Kimberly uh, Scomel, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name, but um, Kimberly died suddenly in her sleep, and she was one of a number of survivors, this is where it gets interesting, uh, who maintained that there were multiple shooters on the ground in Las Vegas. And then also in October, another couple who survived the, uh, the shooting were killed in a car accident near their home in Riverside County, California. Dennis and Lorraine Carver uh, were trapped inside their cars that slammed into a metal gate and uh, caught on fire. Horrible way to go. Now, again, I know Kimberly was uh, very outspoken about what she witnessed. Uh, She saw multiple shooters. She was reaching out to other survivors on social media. I'm not sure about Roy McClellan and the Carvers, whether uh, I can add those in with Kimberly as having maintained there were multiple shooters. However, four survivors now of the Vegas shooting are now dead. Very odd. Uh, Or is it just me? All right, we will uh, discuss that down the road, I'm sure. Billy Carson, 
the founder of Forbidden Knowledge and the host of Gaia's new original series, Deep Space, is standing by. He joins us for the first hour of tonight's transmission to talk about the U.S. secret space program. Media scientist Nelson Thal will join us in hour two. Nelson has analyzed the features of the First Lady of the United States, Melania Trump. I'm sure you heard about this. Another, This was out there crazy on, uh, on social media as well. Uh, that uh, she was replaced by a double uh, during certain appearances, and uh, he'll talk about that. He says the uh, the elite are able to use clones and body doubles, 3D holographic projections to stand in for them and read the lines from an Illuminati script, he says. All right, let me introduce the boys in the band on the Flying V, Gibson Guitar, technical producer Ian Robertson, and uh, his young apprentice, Zachary, in there with him. Uh, on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, story producer and the uh, very enigmatic Albert Vinzel, and on the Hammond B3, feature producer and YouTube live stream producer Ryan White. Welcome, gentlemen, all. You know, I've, I've long suspected that uh, the Gemini, Mercury, Apollo shuttle space programs were nothing more than window dressing uh, created for, for public consumption, but meanwhile... There is this separate, far more technologically advanced secret space program, perhaps decades ahead of uh, the faux space program, if you will. And, uh, well, witness the comments of, of the late Ben Rich, for example, the director of Lockheed Skunk Works. He was uh, known as the director of Stealth. And uh, Ben Rich said things like, think Star Wars, Star Trek, we've been there and done that. He also said there are things hidden in hangars out in the desert that are 50 years beyond your wildest imaginations. And perhaps his most enigmatic statement, I believe this one was um, made on his deathbed, he said, we now have the technology to send E.T. home. Uh, Then, of course, there is uh, NASA hacker, uh, British uh, computer whiz Gary McKinnon, who claims to have found evidence of U.S. deep space warships. Here to discuss the secret space program is the founder of Forbidden Knowledge and the host of Gaia TV's new Deep Space series. Billy Carson is also the co-founder of the United Family of Anomaly Hunters and uh, Fort Terra Nova. This is an underground survival shelter system. Fort Terra Nova was featured on on the History Channel. And uh, Billy Carson, we should also point out, will be the keynote speaker at February 2018 Conscious Life Expo. That's February 9th to the 12th at the LAX Hilton. Billy Carson, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you, sir. That was a fantastic entrance. I appreciate that. My pleasure. I can't believe we've never talked before. That's my I fault. I know. It is the first time for everything. That's, that's okay. <laughs> that's my fault entirely, Billy. It's great to have you here. Um, yeah, definitely. The, let me, uh, let me begin with uh, th- those Ben Rich statements, and many people are, are, have heard those. Uh, the one that, that I find most enig- enigmatic is that we, we now have the technology to send E.T. home. Am I correct? Did yeah. he make, was that on his deathbed he made that? Yes, he made that just before he died. That's a correct statement. He did make that exact statement, and he was dead serious. Um, it, the, the technology used to be 44 to 50 years ahead of the civilization. You know, the military-industrial complex would be that, that far ahead per year. But now it's really about 300 years ahead. Wow, um, 300 and, years. And how I know this is because I'm actually the CEO of First Class Space Agency, and we're a real space agency based in Florida, not with launch capability, but with research and development. 
and we are registered with NASA SAMS as well as the European Space Agency. You can pull us up right on the ESA website, the NASA.gov website. Um, and so with that, we get private access or top secret for access for private space to the Space Symposium every year in April uh, in Colorado. Uh, and that's where you begin to find out some very interesting things in terms of the level of uh, technology that is available really to the world, but it's being kept suppressed and under tight lock and key right now. Now, uh, I'm guessing you can't obviously go into to, to details, but wouldn't you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement working yes, for some absolutely. someplace like that? All right, and they wouldn't get upset. Yes. They wouldn't get upset by you merely mentioning that we are 300 years, or R and D is 300 years ahead of what the public is aware of? That I can mention because others have already mentioned it, and it's not anything that's really that secret. That part of it's actually kind of hidden in plain sight. That's a, you know, it's been mentioned even on, on the various science shows as well. So that part can be, can be easily revealed. But I, that's just a fact. That, that is absolutely – I mean, I'm gobsmacked hearing that. 300 <laughs> years, 300 yeah. years ahead. I mean, how, whatever, whatever you can imagine, they've already done. Right. And the the um, the assertions of, of Gary McKinnon uh, that he had found um, deep space warships while mm-hmm. he was poking around uh, in the Pentagon and NASA uh, um, computer servers. Do you yeah, believe he, he discovered uh, evidence of solar warden, which which we know for a fact definitely you know it exists. Uh, this was back in um, I think it was 1997. He yeah. hacked into the NASA computers. And um, he found evidence of, you know, not only the UFOs, but also suppression of free energy. Uh, and in a, in a very rare interview done by John Ronson, who, who actually was the, I believe, the writer or director for Men Who Stare at Goats, which interestingly is a movie That's right. that talks, it's about Ingo Swan and, and Major Ed Daniels about remote viewing. Yes. Uh, which is out there too as well. But, but uh, he interviewed him and uh, he asked him about the spaceships and he says, um, you know, that, these spaceships are real, uh, and uh, he said that there were, you know, terrestrial and non-terrestrial officers, which he also meant that another public statement as well. But it was a very rare interview that he got with John Ronson, and John Ronson was very convinced that, um, that he was telling the truth. What is the status of Gary McKinnon? They were tr- the U.S. was trying to extradi- extradite him from Britain. Mm-hmm. What happened to Gary McKinnon? What is his status? Is he under house arrest in Britain? Uh, no, he's, uh, he's free. The, the Queen... Uh, withheld the extradition. Uh, the, the, you know, they, they said, wait a minute, if we, it was a really a collaborative agreement because they finally realized that if they do extradite him, bring him here, it's going to be one of the most publicized uh, court cases in the history of the world in modern times. And a lot of information is going to be get, is going to come out and a lot of question marks are going to come up and people are going to want answers to those questions. So they decided, I think, collectively that to make this thing just disappear, let it fade away because the, the people of the world, the citizens of the world, have a very short memory, and as you can see, the most most of the people have already forgotten about Gary McKinnon's incident and situation. So you're right. You're absolutely years, right. Gone in the back of the brain, it's already disappearing. Uh, but they they let it die because they realized it was going to raise too many questions. Has McKinnon spoken out since? I mean, I can't believe it's been no. 20 years. Yes, I know it's been that long. He's actually he follows me on. Uh, he's in a couple of my uh, Mars and Omnis groups on Facebook, and he follows my YouTube account and occasionally comments here and there. And uh, he put some interesting posts up with the, with regards to anomalies 
you know, founders from NASA.gov and the European Space Agency, and I occasionally, uh, you know, uh, comment on his as well. That's the extent of our, you know, communication. It's not like we're best buddies or anything. But, no. Uh, just, just through cyberspace. Do you think? Do you get the sense that he might be fearful of his of his life, or for his life, rather? Um, I don't get the sense that he's fearful. I get the sense that he he really wants to you know get the information out there and let or let people know by making making some of these posts and, and stuff that um, this stuff is real. Like there's really a secret space program. There's really potentially non-humanoid people in charge or at least collaborating with the United States military or the, or the military industrial complex. Uh, and there are really anomalies on other moons and planets inside of our solar system. We know, undoubtedly have discovered through over the 1 million NASA images that we've gone through, uh, my group, the United Family of Anomaly Hunters, and, and we've cataloged a little, a little over 50,000 of those anomalies that were in that 1 million, you know, over, just over 1 million images. And um, things that are out of place, old parts, you know, right. that and don't we'll, belong there. We'll talk about uh, some of those uh, as mm-hmm. the hour progresses. Billy Carson is with us, the founder of Forbidden Knowledge, host of Gaia's new original series, Deep Space. And again, he will be appearing. Uh, he is the keynote speaker, in fact, at the February 2018 Conscious Life Expo. And that's at the LAX Hilton, Feb 9 to the 12th. Back with more of my conversation with Billy when The Conspiracy Show returns. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Billy Carson is with us. Keynote speaker at the um, 2018 Conscious Life Expo, also the uh, founder of Forbidden Knowledge and the host of Gaia TV's new Deep Space series. Uh, Deep Space series. Billy, tell us a little bit about the uh, the new show on Gaia. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, Deep Space uh, is now in season number two. Season number one uh, was just uh, last year. Uh, it got off to a phenomenal start going into the ancient space program. So we started off going from the ancient times dealing with the Anunnaki and then bringing it forward into the Nazis and Project Paperclip and some of the technology that they were experimenting with, uh, and then moving forward into some of the darker aspects of the, uh, the, the secret space program. And now in season two, we're kind of took going where we left off, but now I'm going to be going into a little bit more of how some of the technology works and what's being suppressed. Um, and, um, you know, really where we're going or where the, where the secret space program may, may be going based off of um, insider uh, whistleblowers. I've, uh, I've talked to Paula Harris uh, a number of times. I think she's going to be at the Conscious Expo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paula talked to me about speaking with highly placed uh, Pentagon officials who talked about deep space platforms. What can you tell us about deep space platforms? Well, there's 
there's so many levels to to the secret space program. It's not just one level. Uh, and in the deep space platforms, uh, if she's if she's referring to the same thing I'm talking about, uh, would have to do with various black ops and military secret space programs that are not only um, in our solar system but outside, just outside of our solar system, just outside of the Oort cloud. Uh, and there's also a dark fleet as well that operates and navigates in between those two uh, sectors, the inner sector and the outer sector. Um, and this is part of a patrol that goes on as well as uh, a, a mission for really science, you know, just expanding the science and knowledge of, of what's going on out there, as well as a very limited access to uh, the, there really is a, a global, I guess you want to call it a, um, a galactic federation of sorts that's really out there as well that, that we may be in communication with. And we're on a very slow process, we meaning the very high elites and the dark programs, of gaining access to expanding deeper and deeper into space. When will that trickle back down to, um, to us here, you know, the average civilian? I'm not sure, but it could be a very, very long time from now. And where, where is their, their, their base of operation on Earth? Where do they launch from, if I can even use that word launch? Maybe that's not even in the appropriate term. <laughs> well, yeah, we're launching all the time. I mean, right now, we just had a, an X-37B military top-secret mission return two months ago to Earth. It launched out of Florida, and it returned back to Florida, and it uh, was gone for 720 days, I believe which is just over two years. Um, now, top secret mission, they don't tell us. They let us know that it lifted off and it left from Earth, uh, one of the most advanced shuttles we've ever had. And it's been gone for two and a half, you know, just, just under two and a half years. And another one went up for just over a year and came back just at the end of last year. So they're sending these up all the time, <laughs> but they're not telling us where they're going and what they're doing when they go away for a year or so. They're going deep out there. They're going out to these platforms. They're going out to drop off supplies, I personally feel, to an established Mars colony and maybe even colonies on other moons within our solar system. If they're launching from uh, from Florida uh, in, in, in public view, are they still yeah. using rocket fuel? I mean, surely we're, we're in a deep space program would be eons past rocket fuel. Right. Well, now, you've got to understand, the, the ones that the secret space program, the ones that are already up there, they don't need to come back into the atmosphere. Um, they just stay out in space. Uh, now, when they do, if they do need to reenter, they're able to go into the multi-spectrum mode, which basically is almost like a cloaking device. Um, they can even, uh, they even have metamaterials that allow light to bend around the actual physical structure of the object. So when you're looking up, you kind of get a hint that there may be something there if you really look in the right area, but you will not be able to tell that there's a ship there. Uh, and then they will disappear into uh, underwater uh, bases that literally, you know, open up right in the middle of what, look, what could look like a gigantic lake or go into the sides of mountains. And as well as uh, there are some bases in Antarctica as well. So, but the ones that are launching now just in plain sight, they're, they look like they're launching with standard rocket fuel and they're taking off and they're, uh, Single-stage launches, actually, with, with the X-37B. But when they get out there, according to NASA and the technology that they have, it's the most advanced navigation system that they've ever built. So I think that that's um, some type of a supply ship or cargo ship is what they are, in my personal opinion, to aid and maybe take supplies to some of the solar warden craft and some of the other craft that may be already up there 
that don't return as often. Is the rocket fuel liftoff just for public consumption? I mean, do they not have anti-gravitics? Anti-gravitics exist. They even have an EM drive, but I believe it's just part of the show. It's all a front. You know, it's all a front to keep us believing that, you know, we as citizens need to keep driving combustion engines and, and you know, using oil and, and using propellants for fuel and so forth. It's just really a show. They they have been able to launch without, um, you know, we're talking about since the 1950s, they right. launched without using rocket fuel. Yes, it, w- it was in the 1950s, Boeing uh, was, uh, you know, they went public and said, we are on the cusp. This is yeah. 60 years ago. We are on the cusp of achieving anti-gravitics. And then all of a sudden, uh, like a black curtain descended, uh, mm-hmm. a complete media uh, blackout. So right, what has exactly. happened in those ensuing 60 years? Well, it's all about suppression, and it's all about control of the information and control of the technology. Um, and the, the biggest problem, the, the biggest reason why they want to suppress this information is because knowledge is power and he who controls space controls this this sector of the galaxy potentially and maybe even this entire solar system uh the entire war for example again in iraq the whole gulf war was fought from space meaning not that we use spaceships but we use satellites we use drones that were controlled by satellites everything was based off of space technology gps systems and so forth Without any of that technology, we wouldn't have been, wouldn't have not, would not have been able to be that effective. So, you can see that the United States or the military-industrial complex has complete control over all the nations on this planet, just because it has the most control over space right now, and technology for space. So, this is why they want to keep this information suppressed because it gives them a lot of power. I mean, they literally control this region, uh, you know, based off of what we allow them to do. Uh, and if we were to start, if they were to start leaking that information to us or giving, giving us access to that information, it would be very possible for people even sitting at home, a high school kid could even start developing some of his own technology that can maybe even interfere with what, you know, some of their control, stru- control structures that they already have in place. Uh, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be anything for me to create a generator that I can just connect to my, my house and I don't even need to plug into my a local electric company anymore. Then what happens when tens of thousands of people start doing that, you know? So it just becomes a big issue uh, for the controlling powers and the system that they want to keep in place. Uh, precisely. You know, I, um, I was thinking in, in light of this information, you know, people have been talking about the, the lunar landing hoax for a long time, and I've talked about it on this show. I, I've always believed that we went to the moon in 69. To me, the hoax is that that was the first time we landed on the moon in 69. I mean, again, I, I subscribe to this idea of a secret space program. Uh, when do you think we first landed on the moon? Was it indeed 69 or was it much, much earlier, as I contend? It definitely was 1969 for Apollo 11. Uh, now, we may have, we meaning humans uh, uh, in modern times, the Nazis, are rumored to have gone to the moon in one of the Hanabu, I think it was the Hanabu 3 craft, and even onto Mars in a Hanabu 4. But if you want to stick by what we know for facts, we can go by Apollo 11. We did land on the moon. The moon is a very interesting thing because some people have gone so left with it because of the Hollywood production and some of the fake images that have come back and take video uh, that are clearly fake. They've gone so far left to say that, oh, the whole thing is a hoax. There's no atmosphere. We can't go into space and all this other. But they're wrong. What they don't realize is, yes, we went to the moon, and yes, we lied about it. 
And the reason why we lied about it is because after sending the Clementine mission, after sending some of the other Mercury missions and some of the other satellites up there, uh, we discovered that there were uh, structures on the moon and remnants of an ancient civilization or maybe even a current civilization. And so the whole mission was really a recognizance mission to go and gather data, information, video footage, and so forth. And they knew that basically they would have to fill in the blanks uh, for the general population here on Earth because they couldn't show them or they did not want to show them what was really up there until they themselves can either figure out exactly what it was. Um, so it was, that was really what it was all about. And there's, thanks to the Freedom of Information Act, you know, um, there's the black box tapes from Apollo 11, which anybody can get access to as public record. Uh, you can download them. I have a copy of the entire black box tape from Apollo 11, and some of it's been redacted, but some of it was left open, believe it or not. And you can see where the astronauts, as they're going over some of the craters, they're calling them conical craters or domes, and they're actually saying in the black box, look at the people down there. I bet they never get out. And that's not only on the redacted uh, print document, but it's also on the, the voice file that was left unredacted that's available for download to the general population. So why on, links to you. why on earth, Billy, would, they, would NASA leave that part unredacted? Is it, was it purposeful? Did they, are they trying to do a controlled yeah. leak to, to acclimatize us to this situation? They really appear to be doing a very controlled, very slow disclosure. To the general population. I mean, when I say it's very slow, but they always leave little breadcrumbs over many, many years. Um, you know, there's, there's a famous video of the limb uh, of the uh, of the limb returning back to the uh, command module up from the surface of the moon. And as it's taking as the video is being shot, you can see a dome on the moon surface in the background. Now they knew that was there. I mean, <laughs> nobody really paid attention to it until I saw the video a few years ago. And I said, wow, this is pre-Photoshop, pre-everything. Here's a dome right here. I took it, I, I edited it right out of the, cut it right out of the video, and just turned the contrast down. A, a huge dome structure with buildings inside popped up. It's one of the, big, the best finds I ever had. So that's another crumb that they've left behind. And they keep leaving these crumbs, even with the, with the uh, Mars rover missions, they keep leaving these little crumbs of anomalies that they cover some up, but they always leave a few here and there that people like myself and others can find. And it's almost like a, like a type of slow disclosure, and, and I, I take it as to, like, on Earth, it's almost like the humans are the prisoners and the prison guards. So they're allowing some of us to, uh, you know, some of the prison guards are, you know, to, to, to wake up a little bit, grab some of the, you know, bits of information and bring it back to the herd, so to speak, and let them take a look at it. A lot of people will still, you know, completely scoff and discard it, but slowly a lot of people will begin to analyze and check it out, maybe even research it for themselves. And over a very long period of time, people become like, you know, used to the information and and uh, adjusted to the potential that it could be real. Uh, Billy Carson is with us, the founder of Forbidden Knowledge, the host of Gaia TV's new Deep Space series, now in season two. How do people uh, uh, watch Deep Space on Gaia? Well, you can just go to Gaia.com slash forbidden with the number four, or B-I-D-D-E-N. The reason why I recommend Gaia.com slash forbidden is because there's a few free episodes on there that you can watch without having to sign up. It's like a conscious Netflix where there's over 7,000 incredible shows on Gaia TV. And, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in about four or five of those different shows, Ancient Civilization, Sea to Space, uh, Beyond Belief, and uh, Buzzsaw. But you can sign up there, and uh, you can watch some free episodes on my channel. You can go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com as well with the number four 
and you can link there and you can watch uh, some free shows and decide if something you'd like. It's only 30 cents a day to get access to some of the most incredible conscious information in the world. And uh, again, you're going to be the keynote speaker at uh, 2018 Conscious Life Expo. What's, what are you going to talk about? Can you give us a tease? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. I'm going to be speaking on um, February the 10th at 1030 a.m. in the LAX Hilton. And I'm going to be talking about the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation, uh, which basically describe how our entire solar system was formed, how we got our asteroid belt, how we got our Oort cloud, how our planets came into the current positions that they're in, as well as some of our moons, including our moon. And then it's going to, I'm going to move forward in time into uh, a captured you know, a captured planet and a, a, a captured mini solar system, actually, into our solar system. And then I'm going to talk about the Anunnaki and uh, the ancient space program and move forward into some of the anomalies that prove their existence. What percentage, I don't know if you, you, you can affix a number to this, but what percentage do you think of UFOs are extraterrestrial or interdimensional versus uh, a part of this deep space program? Or a secret At space this program. Point, it's very small. Yeah, I, I, the UFOs are real. I want people to know that there are real visitors coming back and forth from this uh, from this planet, but only the ones that have been allowed because we have a very secure system out there. That solar warden is really designed to protect us from invaders that have you know malice on their mind. And I think that we've already communicated with a certain few that we've either bargained with or, or had a, some type of a treason with or whatever to allow them to come back and forth. But I think it's only maybe. Uh, anywhere between 10 to 15 percent are actual, you know, non-human UFOs, and I think the rest of them are all all human. Interesting. All and 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 at what point? Um, I mean, can we affix a date to it? That uh, you know, prior to a certain date, demarcation line. Uh, many of the UFOs were, or most of the UFOs were ET related, and then all of a sudden, it's sort of switched over listen we'll um, we'll just leave that question hanging you can think about it we'll uh, come back and continue our conversation with billy carson keynote speaker 2018 conscious life expo and of course his uh, new program season two deep space on gaia tv forbidden knowledge with the numeral four forbidden knowledge is the website forbiddenknowledge.com back with more stay with us if you're sure your phone isn't tapped call now 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Nelson Thal will join us at the uh, just after the top of the hour. And, uh, wow, he's, uh, he's coming loaded for bear. We're going to talk about clones, holograms, uh, organic robotoids, uh, doppelgangers, and um, more. Right now, we uh, continue to uh, speak with Billy Carson from ForbiddenKnowledge.com and, uh, again, keynote speaker at the 2018 Conscious Life Expo. That's coming up quickly, February 12th to the, uh, I'm sorry, 9th to the 12th. 
at the LAX Hilton. And uh, we're talking about the secret space program. Is there a year that we can say, Billy, that everything changed and that uh, when, you know, when we look up into the sky, a lot of those craft were being uh, flown by U.S. space pilots? Yes. Well, if you look back, it'll go back before U.S. space pilots. It'll go back to German mm-hmm. uh, pilots during the uh, uh, Operation High Jump when uh, Admiral Byrd was sent down to Antarctica to find out what in the world the the Nazis were doing down there. They had a subterranean base, and uh, when they got down there with their ships, uh, they were literally attacked by these UFOs, uh, and there were actually a lot of deaths, a lot of, you know, casualties. And they sent uh, Admiral Byrd and his whole Navy fleet packing and racing back home with their, you know, tail tucked. And he even made a public statement that we're facing a new threat uh, of a, a threat that can fly from pole to pole at extremely high speeds. Uh, and even when we went into the, you know, in World War II, they had the Foo Fighters. These, again, I believe, were controlled by the Nazis. Uh, so, the, the, you know, if you go back even before the United States, uh, we had, there were human piloted or human controlled UFOs. And then moving a little bit further into the future when we won the war, because Hitler was so focused on this technology and not really worrying about his strategy for fighting the, these wars. He automatically assumed his victory and put all his focus and energy into the technology. And that kind of really caught him slipping. And we, you know, we were able to, to beat him and defeat him. And the reason why the United States wanted to, de- wanted to defeat him was so that they could, they could take all 100 plus scientists that he had working on these dark projects, which we did. We took him in Operation Paperclip, brought him here along with another 300 or so, uh, you know, high-level German officials that we actually put in positions of key power, which I still can't figure out why to this day. But in terms of the scientists, we were able to get them into the secret space program over here in the United States almost immediately uh, once they came over, set up NASA as the front for the front space program, Werner von Braun developing the process and so forth. But on the backside, a lot of the Hanabut craft technologies, that stuff didn't get thrown out. They were really building and developing those from back then. So the 1940s into the 1950s, uh, you know, it just was an amazing time for development and growth in terms of technology within the secret space program. Was uh, was the UFO crash at Roswell, was that German? No, I believe that that definitely was a, uh, a UFO from outer space or either inner space. Um, uh, definitely a craft where... Um, are you still there? Yes. Can you okay, hear me? I like just went from the phone. Yes, ah. I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, definitely a craft that came from other way. I think that um, according to my research, what appears to have happened was these craft were visiting and the military discovered that their radar systems were able to disrupt the flight patterns of these craft and they were bringing them down. They actually brought down more than one. And so the 1947 crash, uh, which was actually a multiple crash uh, in two different areas, were most likely, uh, you know, alien in my opinion. Um, you mentioned that we, are, we, ha- we now have the technology to sort of prevent incursions from hostile ETs. I have to think that some of these uh, civilizations out there, uh, you know, would have, would be, um, what do they call them, level Michi, I'm yeah. trying to Michio Kaku's uh, term, like, like a level, level two, one, a two level 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 two or level three civilization. And what are we at? Right. Even with our advanced or the secret space program, are we at a level one even? Well, no, 
No, we're just under zero. Okay. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. So there, how there could are te- there are there are civilizations out there that can literally just wipe our planet off the map? But there's rules out there in space. There's a lot of strict rules, and there's people that have more power than them that control. There's a federation that really controls all of this activity and and uh, keeps it, you know, to a certain level. We're we're coming up on another break, Billy. When we come back, um, I want to talk to you about um, uh, Ken, Doctor Ken Johnson, Senior. Uh, who has? Uh, I'm. Sure, I don't know if you've uh, you've talked to uh, Dr. Johnson. I'm I've sure you have. Many, I've met I'm him many sh- times. I'm sure you have. Conference with him at uh, Alabama. Uh, yes, he has some very interesting uh, things to say about what he witnessed at NASA, and uh, he was, I guess, um, responsible for sort of catalog- cataloging a lot of the moon rocks and a lot of the artifacts and so forth that were brought back. And uh, uh, we'll get to that conversation about. Uh, Dr. Ken Johnson at NASA, what he saw, which is quite remarkable, quite startling, and what he told you. Billy Carson stays with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To get the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Billy Carson is uh, with us. We're talking the secret space program. You can check out his program uh, called Deep Space on Gaia TV and uh, his website ForbiddenKnowledge.com, the numeral four, as in Forbidden Knowledge. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Dr. Ken Johnson. Now, he was um, a consultant uh, employed by Brown and Root, I think, and they were involved in the Lunar Receiving Laboratory um, back at the Johnson Center in the early 70s. And one of his jobs was to to, um, curate and catalog the Apollo images and the moon rocks. And what did he tell you about what he witnessed going on with those photos at NASA? Yes, uh, man, I tell you, it was, an, it was an amazing thing just to meet this guy in person because uh, it really added to his authenticity. Um, he, not only did he work there for 23 years uh, in, on many different uh, uh, projects, Mercury and Apollo, but also, like you said, handled a lot of the imagery uh, and was very close with the woman who was in charge of covering up or, you know, puffing out some of the anomalies that were there so that the general public couldn't get them before they were gone out to be published for sale. Um, he was bold enough uh, to actually take them, he was told to throw them in the garbage, a, a huge stack of these images, which I've seen and actually have a, a few of them myself, so I'm very, I'm very excited about them. Uh, this is pre-Photoshop, pre-everything, you know, uh, and he actually took them and he kept a copy of them. And man, thankfully he did that because because of him, we actually, we meaning our, us anomaly hunters out here, uh, have a lot of phenomenal data that nobody can challenge and say, oh, it's been this, it's been that, it's been fake. This, these are real images taken from real cameras from a real NASA 
that have not been edited in any way, shape, or form that have real anomalies that are plain as day. Um, and my, my team with the United Family of Anomaly Hunters has really gone through, I think, and done a phenomenal job in, uh, you know, extracting some of those anomalies and, and showcasing them within our network and our groups. Some of those were donated to the Roswell Museum, were they not? Absolutely, they sure were. So people yes. can go and see those for themselves at the Roswell, uh, that's the International UFO Museum and Research Center. Correct. Describe some of the more uh, outstanding photographs that you have in your possession that, that uh, are unairbrushed, undoctored. Yes. Um, well, there's a lot of domes. A lot of those craters that you see on the moon are not really craters. That's the thing that's the most amazing you know, discovery. There's no ejecta. And when you, so when you have an impact, first of all, all the impacts would not be straight down facing to where each crater doesn't have a, a trail leading up to it. They just look like they just open up on the moon. So you have thousands of those. Now, these craters, when you take a really good look at them, they're all the same depth almost. And they all have uh, a geometric shape in the middle, or most of them have geometric shapes in the middle with no ejecta. Where did all the ejecta go from the impact? It doesn't go to the rims, not on the rims. When you look at a real, take a real close look at the rims, you start to see that some of these um, these craters are more like uh, octagons and hexagons. So you start to realize that they have geometry to them. And then when you um, you know start going in and changing the contrast just a little bit, so that you can take a little bit of some of the fuzziness, you can see that there's geometric shapes there. And some of these structures could be potentially one or two miles tall within these um, artificial craters. Uh, and interestingly, what we did was we targeted uh, those those areas from some of the Ken Johnson images with some modern technology uh, by using the Arecibo system and radar detection system that NASA has available that they've already scanned. We went and got those images and found from those same areas and discovered that they penetrated the Earth or the, I'm sorry, they penetrated the ground level of the moon about uh, 20 or 30 meters. And we were able to see geometric shapes underneath the domes with the radar images that came back from Arecibo out of Puerto Rico. So this is, a, this is like an amazing thing. So not only do you have the, the old images that he had that shows these structures are there, then we have the modern images that come from NASA with radar that show that there's not only those structures, but even beneath them, there's more structures beneath the ground. So uh, the moon may definitely be a honeycombed or, or hollow, as everybody has been saying. Uh, and, and what about images from Mars? Um, any evidence that those two are being doctored? Yeah. Uh, they are doctoring some of those images. What they're doing is they're covering up anomalies. They have a software program, sophisticated software program, that tries to mimic rocks or turn things that might be anomalies into rocks because they're sending back so much data and they, even though they have a couple hundred people working there trying to, you know, work on this cover-up project, it still is a lot of work. So they have a, a program written that actually kind of goes through and, and, and kind of it thinks, oh, this looks like it could be a geometric shape. Let's turn it into a rock, you know. But like I said before, there's a lot of uh, breadcrumbs out there where there's so many anomalies that have been left untouched. Uh, I mean, plain as day, where you don't have to do any editing, you don't have to go into Photoshop, you can just go to the GigaPan or you can go to the uh, download the raw file directly from NASA.gov, and you can literally just zoom in and see some of these anomalies. So they've left some there for whatever reason. Maybe it's like I said before, the, the slow disclosure that they're allowing us to, to put forth, us being, you know, anomaly hunters, uh, but there's so many uh, 
destructive uh, buildings, torn down buildings, structures that look like they were flooded, um, rooftops missing, um, you know, what you would see maybe if you look down from a satellite in, in uh, Egypt, or in, this, in the desert area where you can see that there were potentially uh, many cities out there in the middle of the desert, kind of now buried in sand. You can see all of these things on the, uh, on the Mars images. Um, and there's literally thousands upon thousands of, of anomalies there that are, have been made available to us, to the general public, but nobody really has taken a lot of time to look, just a very small few of us. The um, the other one of the claims also I believe by Dr. Ken Johnson was that he belonged that he he belonged to and then was subsequently dropped from because of his disclosures he was dropped from something called the Solar System Ambassadors Program. What can you tell me about uh, I'm that? I'm not familiar. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that program. I know that he was involved in a couple of programs, but when he started talking, all of a sudden he was getting severely attacked. Uh, he was getting attacked by uh, people that even worked closely with him at the time. Uh, and they were saying that, oh, he's not an astronaut, he wasn't this, he wasn't that, but, you know, he had enough documents to back up what he was saying, but people were making fake blogs and putting out fake information about him, and um, it was becoming uh, kind of like a, an attack on his, you know, on him, and um, he was dropped from quite a few things because people, unfortunately, don't like to go back and do a little bit more research to dig deep to see that it was propaganda, uh, which now that all has come forward that it was propaganda because he's made videos, you know, we mean some of the people on our team have made several videos and interviews with him and have him put forth his documentation proving that he is who he says he is. And, of course, the companies and everything else he worked with are real. So, uh, yeah, when he came forward with a lot of with a lot of this information, he, he began to get attacked and was dropped from a lot of different programs. So I'm not specifically sure about the exact program you mentioned, but I do know that he was attacked and he was kicked out of India recently because of, these attacks. So it was a weird situation. Interesting. Another whistleblower, I believe, um, I believe she worked with Philco Ford, and they handled uh, NASA's photo labs, or they worked in photos. They were computer engineering contractors for NASA anyway. Donna Hare. Um, are you familiar with Donna? Have you, have you talked to her? Because I, I think she was sort of involved firsthand in this airbrushing, from what I understand. Yeah, she was the one that was involved in, in the airbrushing firsthand, uh, you know, kind of puffering out these um, these anomalies. She was that was her job. Her job was to overlay this kind of sheath over and make and then make another photocopy because back then there was no software to do it. So you had to literally overlay them with these different materials and then make a photocopy. And that way, the anomaly would kind of disappear or be blocked out or or redacted. Um, you know, so I I was on a, a couple of calls with her and, and a couple of groups with her as well on Facebook. Uh, you know, anomaly groups. Um, and, um, you know, she was definitely there. She's real. She's a real, a real witness, a real whistleblower that, that was really involved in the cover-up, you know, you know, of, of these anomalies. And it's, uh, it's all coming out. In dribs and drabs, but, I mean, how are they, how are they keeping the rest of their employees? How are they gagging them? Are they, are they threatening them with their pensions? How are they doing it, do you think, Billy? Um, I did a, a report few years back, I wish I could find it right this second on the exact number, but there's been dozens of NASA employees that uh, end up dead. Um, and I mean, in the weirdest ways, I'm talking about ski lift accidents, cars falling off the side of mountains, houses catching on fire, uh, heart attacks, dying in the sleep, uh, just these random crazy events. But why would so many NASA employees? Um, and I really feel that, um, 
you know, it's uh, it's part of a threat that they know that's there. And when people maybe, you know, know a little bit too much, I hate to say it, but it's potentially possible that they take them out. I mean, one, you know, one group that was working on, I think, was Spirit Rover, the whole group died in a, in a, um, a, a ski lift accident. I mean, it's just, I mean, what are the odds of this stuff happening? Right, right. You know? Like the microbiologists and the bankers a few years ago. Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, uh, so, uh, it's crazy. We were, we were talking earlier about Dr. Ken Johnson, and he worked with Root and Brown. What, um, maybe I'm misremembering, but wasn't Edward Snowden also an employee with uh, Root and Brown? I'm not sure about that. I don't know if uh, Edward Snowden was an employee there. I know he was a private consultant, but right. uh, I don't know exactly which firm he was with. For some reason, Root and Brown is sticking in my mind, but I, I could be wrong about Snowden. But nevertheless, wh- why didn't we hear, um, or, or why haven't we heard about these sorts of things from, let's say, uh, Snowden or even Assange at WikiLeaks? Why do you think? Um, you know, that's a good question. It seems like they really each had their own uh, targeted agenda, maybe because they had the most information on those particular items. Or, you know, for example, when I post on Forbidden Knowledge, there's a lot of things that go on that I don't post about just because I don't have the inside scoop or direct knowledge or a good research, research source. To, to make sure that I'm saying something that's valid. Right. So I kind of kind of fade away from those particular topics and get into things that I know I really have control over, that I really understand and know and have uh, connections with, you know, and good research material for. So they could, it could be why they haven't really mentioned it that much. It, it could be just because they know more information about what they've really been focused on. Are you at all... Hopeful, or are you uh, very uh, sort of grim about the prospect of, let's say, for example, the suppression of free energy, which is part of this, you know, in the in the in the clutches of this breakaway civilization? Do you see any prospect of that uh, breaking through to, you know, the the general population in the next twenty, thirty, forty years? I really do believe it will. One of the projects that I work on for research and development is our free energy devices and alternative propulsion systems. And we're making a little bit of headway right now uh, using uh, magnetics, so electromagnetism. And I believe that it's not only myself and these small groups, but there's there's dozens of small groups popping up now. And with the awakening that's happening on this planet in terms of people waking up to the realization that we're living in a matrix and uh, we have a very small group of men controlling everything we say, do, hear, touch, feel, and know, and I believe that over you know, the next couple of decades, enough, there'll be enough people awakened to the point where they say enough is enough uh, and just start demanding things by taking their own action. In other words, that, uh, people start building these devices and leaking the information out to the world. And I, giving I, it out to I think you're right. I, I, I believe you're right. Billy Carson, I'm sorry we left it so long. Uh, we'll have you on again soon. Thank you so much for this. Billy Carson, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Nelson Thal is next. We'll talk clones, doppelgangers, organic robotoids when The Conspiracy Show continues. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, 
The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A big how-do to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio. AM 740, 96.7 FM. Coming to you from the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Canada. All of you checking us out on one of our affiliates, of course, the podcast. It's everywhere. Uh, please check it out at TalkZone.com. A uh, reminder, speaking of podcasts, I'll be launching my brand new podcast. I can't tell you the name yet, but it will launch Monday, December the 4th. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Again, beginning December the 4th. Uh, we'll make more announcements as it uh, approaches. Hi to all of you who take the Conspiracy Show with you on your mobile device uh, with the uh, Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer Radio app and, of course, the YouTube channel, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Please take a moment and hit the sub button. Let's try and get to 7,000 by year's end. Can you help me with that? Uh, hello and welcome, of course, to all of you loyal stalwarts in the uh, YouTube live, ch- live chat. However and wherever you're listening and watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Mid-October, social media went crazy over claims that U.S. First Lady Melania Trump had been replaced by a body double. At uh, several appearances, uh, Melania was seen standing next to her husband, President Trump, shortly before they departed Uh, for an appearance at the Secret Service Training Center, and she was seen wearing oversized sunglasses, which led some on social media again to speculate the sunglasses were being used to hide the decoy. Other world leaders, it has been long uh, rumored, used lookalikes or decoys for security purposes. Saddam Hussein was said to have numerous doubles. Uh, But it goes beyond mere lookalikes. A man named Donald Marshall, who claims to be a clone himself, Uh, started posting messages on Facebook back in 2011 claiming many celebrities were being killed off and replaced by clones and that a cloning center was being run by the Illuminati, perhaps even Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Then there is the uh, the late Dr. Peter David Beter. Uh, Beter released a series of 80 audio newsletter tapes between 1975 and 1982 and made wide-ranging claims, among them, was a seemingly outrageous claim that organic robotoids are real. Here to discuss is a a great friend of The Conspiracy Show. Nelson Thal is recognized as one of the world's leading authorities on the science of communication, media, and process analysis. His expertise has afforded him the opportunity to define law terms for the Federal Court of Canada and develop a television series with Dr. Timothy Leary. Bill Gates invited Nelson to contribute an essay to the book Web Weaving back in 1998. While a graduate student studying at the University of Toronto with Professor Marshall McLuhan, Nelson became a McLuhan protege and served as the president of the Marshall McLuhan Center on Global Communications from 1990 to 1995. He served on the boards of, uh, of directors at Torstar, Stan Lee Media, Peace Arch Films and Entertainment, and other publicly traded media companies. He's a lecturer, author, has been a consultant to companies in the United States, Russia, Canada, and Britain. Nelson, welcome. How are you, my friend? <laughs> Terrific. It's great being back here with you. It's been a while since we had yeah. you in studio. I don't allow a lot of people in studio, so you're in... Uh... I feel great. <laughs> I feel very, very honored. 
<laughs> it's because, you know, we, we, we don't do well with company, but you're an old friend. How long have we... It's been... It's over what, 30 years. Has it been 30? Yeah, over. Oh, my gosh. Over, yeah. Um, let, let me just dive in, because let's start with Melania Trump. Yeah. The, you know, the, the fact that she appears on TV wearing oversized sunglasses, that set a lot of people off on the, you know, in the Twitter world and social media and so forth. But surely there's, you know, there has to be more evidence than that, that, that they're utilizing a double. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, for security purposes or whatever, oh, that, yeah. that people would have a, a double. But what else can you, do you see uh, that jumps out at you when we're talking about Melania Trump? Well, you know, let me just go back as to fill in what you're saying. I mean, this is uh, we we know that we split the atom. Man split the atom, and it created the bomb. And he also split the gene, mm-hmm. and that created another bomb. But because it was an inner space, whereas the uh, splitting the bo- the atom was outer space, that. It was. It became hidden, and it was secret, and easily kept secret. And the technology is not really that young. It's rather very old when you get into it. But we've refined it, and they've refined it. And um, leaders naturally in, uh, always have had doubles. Caesar had a double. I mean, Kennedy had doubles. They all must have doubles. That's how they protect themselves from assassination. Because you're not going to be a, a target if you've got multiple doubles. Because the assassins won't know who's who. So for protection, they all do. And for, so for a news report to come out that uh, Melania is using a double on certain occasions so that when she's out, uh, she, her double's there and it, it, it's she, she's just being seen and walking around and smiling and shaking hands, she's going to introduce her double so that people start to get used to it. So it's no surprise. But w- what do you see what, what, when, you, when you study the features? Yes. Uh, I mean, have you done? Well, there are uh, tell, absolutely compared there's photographs. Lot, compared photographs, size of the ears. There's a, a, a space between the eyes. There's a lot of. Uh, it's not really difficult for a trained technologist here to really spot a double once they've seen the original, and it's not difficult finding original pictures of her long before she needed to have a double for protection, long ago when she didn't need doubles. So there are images of her, and there's certain things you just can't change about a woman or about the face, and even not just a woman, about the face. But the thing is this, that um, she would not have – she'd have a, a – there's four different types we're talking about here. She would not have a clone. No, she, she has would a have look-alike. a body double, just a look-alike, a good surgical look-alike. But also remember, we're also tonight. We should talk a little bit about the technology of oh, we will for sure synthetic automatons, organic robotoids, because that technology is very exciting. I was the a lecturer at the Center for Culture and Technology, so our expertise was as archivists. We got into the archives and examined. What technologies do they have? What's available? Once you know you've got an electron microscope and a Cray computer and you increase – when you can have microprocessors the size of a chip that can then go into a human carcass, the brain of a human carcass, and make it become act alive – you've got very powerful technology which is being utilized today. We'll get to it later in the show. Well, you know, it makes sense. In light of my conversation just moments ago with Billy Carson, we were talking about the secret space program. And as you point out, uh, you know, if, if we have this explosion of knowledge uh, in, in, um, in outer space, one would expect that there would be the equivalent explosion in knowledge 
uh, in inner space or in the human body. So like Apollo, Gemini, Mercury, and the space shuttle programs were mere window dressing to distract us from the secret space program, then would we, would we by extension suggest that the, the whole Dolly the Sheep uh, cloning, um, you know, hoopla yep. of the, uh, when was that, the early 1980s? Well, actually, you know what, first in vitro. Was that just window dressing too? Because well before then we were cloning humans? Well, I think it's important to go back to uh, the truth, the source of truth, which is Genesis eleven six here. And uh, the Lord said, indeed, the people are of one language and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Now, we're proposing this stuff as a culture, and we are back with one language thanks to the internet and high-speed data processing. We all have one language, and so nothing that we imagine is going to be withheld from us. So, for instance, we've got Blade Runner, uh, the Blade Runner, and we've got uh, the Devil's Double, and we've got the Stepford Wives, and we've right. got the boys from Brazil, and we've got Dave the Film, Stepford Wives, the six-day Schwarzenegger shows a lot about the implant of the chips into the human carcasses. We've got the movie Surrogates. So man has been proposing this, and so it's not going to be withheld from them. And these technologies are now available to man to do what he wants with. And usually he doesn't do the humane good thing with it at first. He uses it for warfare and for killing and for wickedness, which is what we're seeing happen more and more. Uh, so aside from the, the lookalikes, yeah. Um, they would find someone who has presumably a similar bone structure. They would enhance the the resemblance with cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Um, so with Melania. By the, you know, in 1970s, Rand Corporation predicted that, quote, parahumans will be genetically created to do menial tasks in the future. Uh, so uh, this uh, this technology is not old, isn't you know is not young. In 1890, a rabbit embryo was transplanted to a foster mother's rabbit's uterism, uterus. 1890. Oh, wow. 1890. I had no idea. Over 150 years. What what have we done with other technologies over 150 years? So think of what they're doing now. It's beyond imagination of most people. And only media scientists who understand the laws of media are able to feed forward and understand where this technology could go and where it is going today. What do you what do you make do you do you know of this Donald Marshall uh, that was um, posting on Facebook back in in 2011 claimed to be a clone himself and is no. talking about how celebrities are regularly killed off and replaced by that I've clones heard. yes what would be the purpose of that f- f- money the clone goes into the movie does the clones don't don't have bank accounts they don't ask for a check. They go on the movie. They go on film. They get a contract. The money goes to their handlers, and they just get put into a closet at night. But and a cl- switch is turned off. But so a clone is a, a clone that's an has, exaggeration. But you know yeah, what I'm but saying. A clone it's has, profit. Right. Profit. Money drives it as always. All right. Let's take a time out. Nelson Thal is here again, recognized as one of the world's leading authorities on the science of communication, media process analysis, a protege of the late Dr. Marshall McLuhan. The website, McLuhanTactics.com. McLuhanTactics.com. Back with more of our conversation on doubles, organic robotoids, clones, doppelgangers, and more. Stay with us. 
corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Nelson Thal, media scientist, protege of the late Marshall McLuhan, his website, McLuhanTactics.com. And um, I want to get back, obviously, into clones and and um, synthetic uh, clones and uh, organic robotoids, which I just, I love that. That should be the name of a, a rock band, the organic robotoids. We'll, we'll talk about that and, and Dr. Uh, Peter Beter, but uh, just... A little, a little side journey here, just for a moment, because I had forgotten about this. I was just, you know, going over your vast, impressive resume. This TV series that you had uh, developed with the late Dr. Timothy Leary, what was that all about? Well, that was basically about what we call media ecology, and that is the use of uh, starting to ap- apply and approach the media in an ecological fashion. In other words, you understand the cause and effect that the technology is going to have before you take it out of the lab. And those that get out, the, we try and put back into the par- into the Pandora's box by updating people's consciousness with the laws of media and how to now really perceive the subliminal effects that media have on us. When you... when you be insidious. When you studied under the great Marshall McLuhan, yeah. did he ever get into any of this with you or with his students? Oh, for sure. Marshall said and he wrote that uh, we've extended the collective con- our consciousness of man into the machine and the machines have become alive in the full organic sense. That's a quote. In the full organic sense, he said we've taken our consciousness, put it into the machine. The brain is an extension of the... Uh, the computer is an extension of the brain. Consciousness but isn't that, isn't that a far stretch, though, from that into what Beter was talking about, organic robotoids? Wasn't McLuhan just talking about, you know, satellite technology, the predicting the Internet? No, he was talking about the Android meme. He was okay. talking about uh, robotoids. All he right. didn't call it robotoids. He said, look, the consciousness has been extended into the machine and the machines become alive in the full organic sense and is walking around just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what Terminator is all about. Terminator is showing us these, this technology in action. Before we get into the fully into the organic robotoids and Dr. Peter Beter, I want to just step back a minute because we talked about the lookalikes, and I think most people accept, you know, that's for security purposes. People have lookalikes. Um, but I want to talk about Hillary Clinton um, because there was a, a couple of periods during the campaign when she was obviously very, very ill. She, she collapsed several times. Uh, there was a period just after she collapsed and she claimed that she had pneumonia where literally hours later she's seen out on the streets of New York embracing young children. This is a woman supposedly with yeah. pneumonia. Uh, now either that was um, you know, not pneumonia and something else or this person, many, many speculated, that she had a double. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Hillary's double? Was it a double? Was it a clone? Was it a robotic, uh, an organic robotoid? What? 
the genetic engineers have been for years uh, trying to deal with the problem that, a matter of fact, was brought up in the movie Blade Runner. And that is that they have a shelf life. They overheat eventually. They only last a year and a half to two years. As the, the warranties are very short on these machines. And when they do uh, burn up, you've seen Wendy Williams reach. We've had a number of robotoids on air break down. Wendy Williams, did you see her? I sent you the video yes, of her breaking yes. down. That's an example of an organic Talk robotoid. To me, just because people can't see the video. Tell us a little bit about Wendy Williams and what that was, what we saw. Well, I mean, um, if you go to YouTube right now and you type in Katy Perry breakdown and collapse on stage, you'll see uh, – when you see the way she reacts to being overheated, the way in which she breaks down is not human. It's not what you'll ever see – if you've ever seen a woman faint, this isn't a woman fainting. This is a robotoid breaking down and Katy Perry also had a breakdown. What's happened is these machines overheat, Rich, and when they overheat, they start – the circuits start to fry. They start to lose the ability to talk, but it just instantly cut, stops, just Bang, and they fall down. It's not like a woman or a man fainting, which is a, a more organic humanoid process. This is a machine a genetically. And what they've done is they've – with high-speed processors put in the form of chips in the movie Salt. If you saw it in Salt, they plug the guy's brain right into the computer. So the br chip is in the brain and the chip is programmed by a, 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 a long metal object to connect it to the computer and they load it with the program. And if the me machine will go out and it will sing and this and of course you don't have to have a great voice today with the equipment available. They just have to s s sing anything and they can adjust it to sound like Elvis Presley you know what I'm right, saying right. or whoever they want. So the robotoids are able to go out there, sing songs, do everything. You think you're looking at a, at a female or a male singer. Really, it's a human-engineered robotoid, organic robotoid. But, but, That's but, hard but, for people to accept. It but, is. But, it is. But the technology is all there. The movies have shown it to you. Uh, they, they've been, if you look at the RAND Corporation, look behind the scenes on the internet and look at the progress they've made, the genetic engineering is just extremely fascinating to watch and to see how it's going. But these robotoids, they still haven't gotten them to the point where they're perfected that they can last more than two or three years. Okay. Well, let's go back to Hillary, though, for a moment. Hillary Clinton. We saw her, yeah. that, that scene where she's seen getting into a van and she collapses. Right. Was that a that sick was Hillary or was that a robotoid? Or that was, was that... definitely a robotoid. The way you look at the way it moved and the way it shook, they start to shake. Um the the Jimmy Carter robotoid, which was well documented, and in fact Carter admitted it years ago that it was his double, his that that was involved. Uh, you recall that uh, at the time it was reported that Jimmy Carter was on a marathon run. I remember, he, and he collapsed. He collapsed. It did not look good, you know, because he up, looked weak but and vulnerable. Only, and... But what they didn't tell you, but we found out later, is that the thing kept on running on the spot like Curly. The Three Stooges. Once he was down, Once his legs he was kept down, moving. Yeah, the machine kept on going. The organic but that was kept over on going, 40 which is years? not human. That was 40 years ago and more. Well, the, the, this, they started this technology first. To start the, they split the gene in 1944. 
They split the gene in 1944. Okay, but we're not talking about then. genetics here. We're well, talking about a robot. The boys from Brazil is all about the cloning Hitlers. Right. That's cloning. That's organic. But we're well, talking about ro- robots. Though, okay, right? but think about how okay. many years ago the technology sure. has been growing human carcasses like they showed in the Six Day, implanting chips, using an implanted chip in the brain to control the, the, the machine, the, the organic machine. Uh, this is what they've been perfecting since the 50s and 60s. They started with this. So why would Hillary Clinton, out on the campaign trail, have need for a, a, a robotoid? Well, she would have a need for a robotoid mostly because she's got a long death list attached to her name. A very, 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 you know, Richard, mm-hmm. she got her political capital because she was George Herbert Walker Bush's secretary, uh, sorry, lawyer on the Warren Commission, whose job was to get the Warren Commission to open up the JFK files so she could somebody could go in there and sanitize the files of all his pictures. You mean, and no, him. she was Nixon's she was on Nixon's no. team during Watergate, but not on the Warren Commission. That's she was she was on the Watergate committee yeah, as Water- as a lawyer. Right, on Watergate. And she was yeah. Watergate. What yeah, did I say? Warren Commission. Sorry. That's uh, right. No, she was on on the water <laughs> she was a lawyer on the Watergate committee. Right. Working for George Bush. And they showed the picture of Oswald and Sturgis. And because Sturgis was one of the plumbers. That's right, who broke into the Watergate Hotel. They, and they had the picture of him with Oswald. That she suggested, Hillary suggested that they should give the right to open up those files and go in there. And she, as a lawyer, was able to go in there with Sandy Berger. And they were told they, they stuffed documents down their underwear and took it out of the archives. Because they wanted to they expunge. They ate some of it. They ate some of it, I'm told. They ate some of it, and they, they put the rest down their pants and just walked out with it. Because they, they wanted to erase George Herbert Walker Bush's connection to the Kennedy assassination. He wanted, he wanted her, as right. his lawyer, to get that material out of there. Right. She then didn't destroy it all, but kept it to extort George Bush. That's what happens to these people. They get extorted. Now she can extort power, money, and everything out of him. That's how she got her political capital. She's extorting him. Fascinating. Well, and some, I mean, I know we're so going on a bit of a... So she needs a double. She's got okay. a lot of enemies. She has a lot of enemies. These people live behind big, big high walls like the monarchy, right? Because they've got a lot of enemies. They've got a lot of blood on their hands and they've got a huge death list. And so they've got to protect themselves and having a double. If you're going to 9-11 ceremony, why should I go and risk me being shot at? Send the double or send a robotoid, whatever you got. And so that when we see her stumble or fall, these are the robotoids basically short-circuiting. To add to it, um, we had Secret Service guys up here in Toronto when we were on the air, when I was on the air, when, during Clinton era. Right. And they told us that they were doing a budget. They were sitting in a room. I was sitting in a room with them. And they were going through their, their monthly budget for the next three months. And what they had to figure out is when we send Bill Clinton's double and it's not working that day. Now, that would be a lookalike body double. Right. But when we send his double out to the golf course, put on a hat and go out to the golf course and golf because we don't need you tomorrow. How many Secret Service agents do they need to guard the body double versus the real guy. They put a smaller contingent to save money. Fascinating. And they reveal that to you? Yeah. They didn't care. What was I going to do? See, coming <laughs> from tell any, the story. Nelson, if this was coming from anyone else, I would probably laugh them out of the room. Yeah. But, I mean, you are... 
you are the you were the official archivist for one of Canada's greatest minds ever, Marshall McLuhan. Yeah. I mean, you worked with you were asked by Bill Gates to contribute a chapter to a book. You worked with Dr. Timothy Leary. Yeah. So we can we can we 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 can walk a fine line as an archivist. We don't have to fear for our lives because uh, we're not going to go into court. We can't be pulled into court and raise our hand and give testimony because we're just read a document. You're reading affidavits and you're you're meeting the people at the top. Like Richard, you know, there's a lot you know as well as I do. Admiral Moore and Benton Parton. Uh, published a, a full-page ad in the New York Times for $75,000 saying that TWA-800 was shot down by missiles and the U.S. government lied about it. It didn't get any play on CBS, but we read it in the New York Times and gave it publicity. Well, we were archivists. We weren't going to miss that story. But it doesn't put us in any danger. Here it is. It's New York Times. Nobody, Dan Rather didn't pick it up. Why not? But... So we pick it up. There's a lot of these nuggets out there that people just didn't have the time to see. But that's a major story. Remember, he even said former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was uh, Admiral Moore. Put that's that right, ad of the, in the non-nuclear arsenal. Non-nuclear exactly. arsenal. Right. And on June 89, Washington Times had the full-page story about how cowboys were going to the White House. Yes. And they put a copy of the visa slip on the front page. That's the Washington Times. We talked about that, but at the time... Bush, we found out later, George Bush got 3,000 FBI, CIA, and Secret Service agents on the street that night, collected all the Washington Times, and burned them. So there's a lot, as an archivist, it's not, it's, there's a lot out there people just don't see, don't pick up on that we do, but it's public stuff. When we, we're coming up on a break. When we come back, we'll, um, we'll talk about uh, the late Dr. Peter David Beter. Yes. Peter Beter. What an unfortunate name, Peter Beter. Uh, you'll tell us who he is and um, what he had to say about organic robotoids. We'll also talk about holograms and uh, when they're being used to fill in for some political world leader. Nelson Thal, media scientist, McLuhanTactics.com is the website. We'll also open up the phone lines and take calls, questions, and comments. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Nelson Thal, media scientist, is with us. McLuhanTactics.com, the website. He was a protege of the late... Dr. Marshall McLuhan, and uh, we are talking uh, body doubles, doppelgangers, uh, organic robotoids, synthetic robots. We'll get into all of that. Let me just uh, quickly uh, get us a heads up on next week's conspiracy show with story producer Albert Finzel. Albert? There's a new book by Kevin Randall, Encounter in the Desert, and we have him coming on for 12 a.m. A police officer saw a craft descend and land. Alien beings and, uh, you know, 
Encounter in the Desert. That's Not, the name of his new book. All right. Kevin Randall will be with us uh, next week on the program. That's an hour two. We're working on hour one. Uh, but uh, make sure you tune in next week. All right. Uh, back to our uh, media scientist friend, Nelson Thal. Uh, let's, um, let's talk about uh, Dr. Peter Beter. Yeah. And... Um, he he talked about organic robotoids. He said that they are real. Uh, this was back, I think, in the ni- early 1980s when he said this. But let's establish who, who he was. Who was Dr. Peter Beter? Uh, Dr. Beter was a high-level OSS intelligence operator during the war. He then became a lawyer and... Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy, as president, nominated him to be general counsel for the Export-Import Bank. Uh, he was a candidate, for the, the, a candidate for the governorship of West Virginia. The people of West Virginia asked him to run for office. And um, he used to say and he told me that uh, he got a phone call in the middle of the night saying if you want your votes counted, um, it cost a million dollars. Did he run against Rockefeller? No, he didn't run against Rockefeller. I don't remember the name. It comes to my. It's been too many years. But he ran. He ran for the governorship of West Virginia. Right. He said that he was asked to pay the million dollars, and in all the precincts, he said to me where they count the ballot by hand, he won. So he run in the one in the rural areas, in all of them. But where it was run by machine in the cities. He didn't get one precinct. So that's how they did it. So he was also a businessman and uh, he was a mineral – got involved in uh, the oil pipeline business and uh, he was uh, – he worked on Wall Street with luminaries such as Franz Pick and Durrell and Colonel Curtis Dahl. And he did a lot of work with Colonel Dahl. Uh, he tried to force an audit of the Fort Knox by – uh, the Federal Federal Reserve. He said it was empty, right? He, he said it was empty, and he wrote a book about it. And he showed, uh, he talked about in his book, The Conspiracy Against the Dollar, he identified Stanley Tatum as being the Rockefeller engineer who Rockefeller had built the machine to exhume the gold out of Fort Knox at high speed. And Rockefeller told Tatum, if you ever write a book, you're a dead man. And he did write a book, and he was murdered. Wow. Stanley Tatum, look that one up. Okay. So Beter forced an audit of the Federal Reserve, of the Fort Knox, which he did. He and Colonel Dahl. Colonel Dahl, by the way, was FDR's son-in-law, and he was a colonel. He was a very powerful man. Because even though FDR died, and this is years after his death, he still had great inroads into the Pentagon and into the Illuminati. Colonel Dahl wrote about the Illuminati, and he was a high-level military guy, and he he meant, he named the Illuminati. He named the the conspiracy. And his connection to Smedley Butler. Well, um, he he was FD uh, Smedley Butler was the general who testified before Congress that Dupont had hired him. To assassinate Roosevelt. And he, Butler was the one that wrote War is a Racket. War is a Racket. And right. Dahl was FDR's son-in-law. So he knew all about Butler and DuPont. And he really got into it and wrote a lot. He wrote a book, uh, you, he wrote a book called My Exploited Father-in-Law. And you should get, it's a great book and you, people listening could, could look that up. All right. Find a lot so, of hidden like these guys are backstage in the global theater. They're the intelligence agents who have the the truth and have the knowledge of what's happening. But it's so bizarre that 
you couldn't even tell anybody in the real world because right. they wouldn't believe you. They because, can't handle the truth. It's, it's, as you've often said over the years to me, the truth is protected by public incredulity. People will not believe this stuff. It sounds so crazy. It's totally crazy, exactly. So you've established – we've established uh, Dr. Peter Beter's uh, credentials. credentials. Well, we're coming up on a break again. But when we come back, let's talk about what Dr. Peter Beter said, said. about the existence of – Organic robotoids. And synthetic automatons, the two different ones. Synthetic automatons versus the organic robotoids. All right, coming up next uh, on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes, corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening. And so are you. To The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Nelson Thal stays with us. McLuhanTactics.com. Nelson, what is that? Tell us about McLuhanTactics.com. What is the, uh, the website all about? Well, the website basically just shows how to get in touch with us and how we do leading edge uh, consumer identification, looking at the, 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 the consumer's demands, the consumer's tastes and preferences and how they're, they're, uh, they're changing with new technology. And as the techno mix changes and the techno fix changes, businessmen and product uh, consumers are changing. And you want to be able to find them and be able to as they change, your, your, the demand for products change, and you want to get ahead of and help businessmen that are in trouble because businessmen are in trouble today. It's very, very difficult. The only way they can keep on touch is to create monopolies. So you're a trends forecaster. Trends forecaster, exactly. All right. Now, um, we were talking about Dr. Peter Beter and the creation of these organic robotoids, and he, he insisted that they were real. How would he have been... I know you mentioned he ran for governor, and he was a lawyer for the Import-Export Bank in Washington and uh, former OSS, but how would he have been in a position to know uh, that organic robotoids uh, are real? Well, Beter would was, remember, not only OSS, but he became high-level CIA, and he had a higher clearance at the CIA when Casey, when I... Met with met and talked with Beter. He had a higher clearance at CIA than the director William Casey. So these guys had been around since before the war. They were in OSS. They were in intelligence. They had access to what was going on, because they basically were signed and their lives depended on the Security Act. That's why as soon as Beter started to go public, he started to get death threats, and eventually he certainly was given a heart attack, and he gave his life for getting the truth out there. But he was the one who talked about the the companies in Vegas and Nevada that not Vegas but in Nevada that that grow these carcasses that manufacture the the 
the whole technology, just like it shows in Salt and just in the movie Six Day. Schwarzenegger does a ma- magnificent job at portraying this technology. It was Beter who pointed out the difference between synthetic automatons, which were created by the Russians, versus the organic robotoids, which was American model. It's almost like one's beta and the other's VHS. Right. Okay. So- and their model was really better. They don't burn out as much, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, they have trademarks on these. So in order for the Americans to want to do a synthetic automaton, they got to pay the Russians some a fee. So when we see Vladimir Putin, are we seeing the real deal, or more often than not, are we seeing the synthetic, uh, uh, the synthetic animaton? No, automaton, no, rather. automaton. You notice you don't see him out on the street. Uh, when he's, you don't see him at golf courses. If you were to see him at golf courses, you'd be looking at his double. But uh, he's so you cold see him, and steely; it, you it'd be hard to tell the difference. In very, very secure places where the Americans or anyone else can't get to him, and he's very. And uh, so, but with with our with in the United States and Canada, we see Trump on the golf course, and he's over here, he's over there, and you just see him. He doesn't have to talk to the camera or say much. So usually. Uh, I'm sure on the golf course it wasn't his double. He was having a good time with Tiger Woods. But these organic robotoids, yeah. you, you talked about growing a cadaver. Explain, right. I mean, how much depth can you go into it? What, how do they make these things? These org- and, and you're saying they're, they're, they're manufactured in Nevada? Well, they were then. Uh, basically, the... You know, the abortion industry really was very important to these companies because by taking the baby's tissues, they were using tissues from the aborted fetuses in order to grow these carcasses. Oh. So they're cloning the, – the, the actual the, – the outer shell they, is organic. It's human. Right. Uh, but it's essentially – Genetically it, modified babies basically. They don't, have, they don't have consciousness of their own though because they're – Dead. They're just That's tissue. Right. They're just tissue. Tissue, and they grow the tissue into a, another carcass. They clone the baby from its DNA, uh, just like in the movie Jurassic Park. Uh, just like in Jurassic Park, they're able to, from the DNA, grow a dinosaur. So we grow human carcasses, put implants, hologram, holograms, hologram the brain of a. They hologram the brain and implant it into a chip in the in the mind of the carcass, and it's it like it's it's Frankenstein. It's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, using high technology, using better, better, better technology, genetic understanding and technology. Is it? Does it have? Does it develop? Is it like artificial intelligence? Does it have the capacity to make Absol- its own decisions, or is it is it programmed entirely? Absolutely. The 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 uh, development of uh, AI was done in the labs and in the skunk works of these companies like Rand Corporation uh, for the purpose of implanting that in the chips into the brain of these carcasses into the clones. Yes. Do they? But do they have self awareness? No, they're just like animals. They just repeat and just act the way they've been programmed to act like a machine. They sing, they dance, they do whatever has been put into them. But they don't – they can't respond to anything that hasn't been told to them. So they just stop singing. They, whatever – when their act is over, the security guards shuffle them away 
and plug them back in. I suggest people take a look at the movie Salt, where this, where uh, this was uh, really well uh, portrayed. The movie Salt with Angela Jolie. So that's sort of like predictive programming, except it's it's they're not predicting the future. They're telling us what's going on right now. Exactly. Why would they do that? Why would they tip their hand that way? Well, basically, I think that um, what McLuhan often said to answer that question is this, that every artist signs his artwork. Every artist likes to sign his artwork. And when you're involved in this sort of material, you can't sort of sign your art. You can't sign it with your name. So you look for other ways to do it, just like 9-11 and then the Spanish bombing was 911 days after 9-11 and uh, the English bombing was on July the 7th, 2007, which was uh, 2005, which was 777. And the harmonics, we've talked about that, you and I, 322, Skull and Bones, 1122-63 was Kennedy. Often they'll use harmonics of numbers as a way of letting people know that in their, 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 their group that this was us. Fascinating. Um, I wanted to go back to, um, I mentioned Saddam Hussein off the top, because I remember you and I having this conversation about Hussein utilizing doubles. Was it a double that was hanged? Uh, first of all, there's a great movie called The Devil's Double, which is all about how Uday and his brother... These are the sons of, of uh, Saddam Hussein. Had doubles as well as Saddam. It's also, it's also Saddam's double. Saddam came from a royal family. His bite was very regal. He didn't have a very – he had a very even bite. The, what, is, what, what is the significance of that? The fact well, that he the, didn't the, need braces. Well, the double the that, that was hung, braces. if you look at the bite of ah. the double that was hung, his body double, you'll see that it's a very, very – it's a peasant bite from a farmer peasant who never did get t uh, his, his f teeth done because he, he's just a body double. They didn't need him to do his dentures. So, yes, they, his double was murdered, and as I understand it, he's still alive. Saddam. Where? Well, he, these people live in a high... Saddam, these people are multi-trillionaires, they they move around the world like as Garrison said, Jim Garrison said, they move they walk between the raindrops. They get on a plane and they go, you wouldn't recognize them, just like the FBI files came out last week. There's a letter from the State Department to Hoover, a lady in fifty five from the State Department saying last week Hitler was in New York City for a long weekend. It's that was FBI. in nineteen fifty five, yeah. Why didn't anybody recognize him? He's out of context. He shaved his mustache. He's wearing a, an overcoat with a nice suit. You're never going to recognize the guy. Saddam Hussein, you'd never recognize And you'd never get near him because he moves around the world in, in, like Trump in jets, in helicopters. Right, you never right. get to see him. What's, I ask this somewhat rhetorically, but what's the, what's the downside? What's the danger of these, this is the thing. Of, of these clones and, and uh, these organic robotoids and so well, forth? What we're doing, the boys in the lab now are starting to use this splitting the gene, and they're starting to put it together like you would with Pro Tools video. You can move this sequence here and this sequence there, and they're playing with sequences, and they're bringing in pigs, genetics from pigs and genetics from other animals. Chimeras. 
Right. And now you're going to be able to – now you'll make a mistake. Now some monster will be created that could be very, very dangerous to human – to mankind. And this is, of course, Mary Shelley's movie was about this long before she <clears throat> she talked about genetics, but she sure knew about genetics. But this is what the – they're building these monsters and – it's even it's not just in the global theater backstage that it's being discussed, but publicly there's been stories about this when it comes to Dolly the sheep and how far is this going to go and how dangerous is the technology going to get? We're going to build these universal soldiers now. The beauty of a universal soldier is he, he's he's bred in a test tube. He hasn't got a mother and father, so when he dies, they don't have to send a letter from the State Department or from the Pentagon to the family to say your son died. They don't have to tell anybody so they can do all sorts of missions uh, where they're not illegally supposed to do the missions and nobody's going to find out if a thousand of these commandos are killed. Impervious to pain. And impervious to pain, et cetera, et cetera. But Hollywood has done a magnificent job showing us, rearview mirror, showing us, though, what's going on backstage in the global theater art form. Some of the movies are very good when it comes. We've mentioned them, Devil's Brigade. Blade Runner is excellent. The newest Blade Runner shows that they've got these uh, clones to the point where they manufacture themselves now. They breed themselves. They're automatic breeding machines. And we saw that in The Matrix. We saw that in a number of movies. Fascinating. Nelson, we just have a couple of minutes here, yep. and um, I just want to leave this this discussion aside for a moment because you and I haven't had a chance to talk about the uh, the big fiasco about the the release of the uh, the JFK documents. Um, you know, we were told there were going to be something like twenty eight hundred. I talked to James D. Eugenio a couple times on on uh, this program and on Coast to Coast, saying actually it ended up being about less than a hundred pages. Uh, thus far, and of those, many were heavily redacted. Um, have, have you had a chance to look at the the, the last, the latest dump of JFK files, and w- what do you make of it? We only have about a minute and a half, two minutes here. Well, I've had a chance to scan it, and so there's a lot that I haven't seen. But right off the bat, I, it's important to realize that we always said that Kennedy was shot from the front as well as the back. The records in the Surgeon General's report is there that he the throat shot and the headshots were both from the front. So it's a conspiracy. It's proven now that it was a conspiracy. There's a lot of other information to get into the, you know, means, motive, opportunity, all the shooters that were involved and everything that was happening. Uh, and that more of that will come out. But the big story, the backbreaking news of it is, yes, it's a conspiracy. It was shot from the front, just as 1978 uh, uh, House Committee on Assassinations said that in their judgment there was a conspiracy. So in 78, the Congress said it was a conspiracy. Now the files are there and we're starting to look through them. And yes, once again, it's a conspiracy. So we've got to get put this to bed. The point is this distracts us from the fact that a major coup d'etat took over. The Ratline Nazis were involved. Walter Dornberger's connection is coming out with Michael and Ruth Payne. Dornberger was sentenced to hang at Nuremberg. He winds up as vice president of Bell Helicopters. He's the one who made the phone call to tell the Dallas police where Oswald was going to, was going to be. In He's the movie the one, theater. Yeah. yeah, and all that. So all that's coming to... It, it's as you say in Luke eight seventeen. Uh, nothing that's secret won't be revealed. Everything's going to be revealed. Having said that, we will, in fact, reconvene on this matter 
no doubt down the road. Nelson, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for your yeoman service, Richard, for getting the truth out there. Nelson Thal, McLuhanTactics.com. My thanks to Ian Robertson, young Zach, his protege, Albert Vinzel, story producer, our live stream producer, feature producer, Ryan White. All of you for listening back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.